It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Throwback Thursday. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jockey with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast today is Throwback Thursday, one of my favorite days of the week, and today I have a manager that I want to talk about. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's not Sparky. Everyone knows just about everything there is to know about Sparky Anderson, the man who leads the Reds, the most winningest coach in the history of the franchise. No, today I'm talking about the man who's right behind him on that list. Most know that Sparky is the most winningest. In fact, some may even know that Dusty Baker is the third most winningest Reds manager. But the second winningest Reds manager is Bill McKechnie. Deacon Bill McKechnie. And I'm going to talk about him today on the podcast. But before we get to that, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out online at lockedonreds.com. We got a lot of good content going up there. We've got another article. The first article we, we had the other day was from Clay Snowden as he was writing about the non roster invitees. And then we've also got an article by David Pemberton. And he is writing about his excitement and getting you excited for this upcoming season. So go check those out on the website. So today, for this installment of Throwback Thursday, we're going to go back. I, I seem to have this affinity for the late 1930s and early 1940s Reds teams. We're going to talk about the manager of that World Series championship team in 1940. Talking about Bill McKechnie today, and I'm telling you what, studying up on him, reading about him, he's one of my favorite managers that I've ever studied about, and you know, up until really today, I didn't know that much about him. I knew he was a you know Hall of Fame and World Series champion manager for the Reds in their history, but beyond that, I didn't know too much. And I got to thank Sabre.org again, the Society of American Baseball Research, once again, just an absolutely phenomenal biography on him there on the website. I got pretty much all my information from there. Also had a little bit of information from my 1990 official yearbook and program from the Cincinnati Reds that my dad just gave to me, actually just tonight. So really thanking my dad for that. And it was really cool to read about him. He, as a manager, finished his career. He had a few wins. He had 1,896 games won to 1,723 lost. And actually, what he was most known for as far as just an on-field synopsis of his career, he took teams that had been going through slumps and turned them around. He was a by-the-book manager. In fact, there was a quote just from him, you know, he was so by the book that he was asked about being a by the book manager. And as the Saber.org biography article of him says, he pled guilty to managing by the book. And McKechnie said, quote, show me a manager who isn't 
And I'll show you a manager who loses a lot of games he ought to win. McKechnie's MO was pitching and defense. He was a guy who, during an era where the long ball was just starting to take off, pun intended, he was all about pitching and defense. In fact, his teams, for the most part, I mean, there were, there were a couple of outliers there that where they just scored a ton of runs. Most of his teams were kind of low, but they also kept runs off the board. In fact, it was said of the 1940 World Series champion Reds that Bill McKechnie's team was like Fort Knox protecting its last penny. They only committed 117 errors for the entire season as a team, which at that point set a record for National League teams for fewest errors. And McKechnie's MO was just constantly pitching and defense. He groomed Paul Derringer and Bucky Walters and those guys that led the pitching staff. In fact, Paul Derringer said, in you know, when he remembered Bill McKechnie, he said in a sentence, I'd say he was the greatest manager I ever played for, the greatest manager I ever played against, and the greatest man I ever knew. So, I mean, talk about a heck of a praise for that manager. It it was said, the historian that wrote for, um, he he wrote the biography about Bill McKechnie, and um, he's a historian, he's also a Cincinnati Reds fan, Lee Allen. He said that he it was the sort of man that other decent men would want their sons to play for. He was the sort of manager that everyone wanted because back in that day, you had John McGraw and Joe McCarthy who were the hard disciplinary, you know, like almost, for lack of a better word, totalitarian managers that it was their way or the highway and this and that and the other. McKechnie was really the first player manager. He he was on the side of the players, and you know they always knew that he had their backs. In fact, uh, one of the only criticisms that he ever got was that he was too soft on players. There were there were some sports writers that said that he would lose the locker room because, you know, he was too soft and players didn't respect him and things like that. And even with the Reds in his final years managing the Reds after that 1940 World Series, a criticism of him was he was too favorable on the veteran players, guys who were past their prime. So, it's you know, it's kind of funny to see all that. Um, when When you look at his career – Leading up to the Reds, it was uh, it was kind of interesting how it all panned out, and I'm going to get into more of that after the break. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Throwback Thursday. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. 
You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Throwback Thursday. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. In the first half of the podcast, I talked, you know, introduced Deacon Bill McKechnie. Deacon was his nickname as he, re- you know, regularly participated in his church choir and he was a church man. He actually grew up in a family. There was 10 kids and there was also three adopted kids from Scottish immigrants in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. And he was Presbyterian uh, growing up, and he actually he was uh, really active in the Methodist Church after you know he got a little bit older there and was out on his own. And he you know that's where he got the name Deacon. And that's kind of one of the things that drove him to be a player's manager. And his managerial career was very interesting because as a whole, he is the first manager to ever take three different teams to the World Series. He's the first manager to ever win the World Series with two different teams. And yet he had been fired and let go from previous jobs before he got to Cincinnati in some very interesting ways. The first team that he took to the World Series and actually won the World Series in 1925 was the Pittsburgh Pirates. And even in that season in 1925, they were right at 500, about midway through the year. As Sabre.org talks about that the, the owner of the Pirates was a little put off by that record. And so he brought in a guy named Fred Clark. Fred Clark was actually a manager in the early 1900s for the Pirates. At this point, he was retired from being a manager, but he was a majority stake owner in the Pirates. And so he brings him in and he says, you're going to be the assistant manager. You're going to sit right next to to McKechnie on the bench, and you're going to help him run the team. Well, his personality didn't mesh well with McKechnie. And, you know, McKechnie was the kind of guy that he didn't let it affect him. But the players weren't fond of Fred Clark's style because Fred Clark was the kind of guy, just like Joe McCarthy or John McGraw, who would get in players' face and, you know, tell them what they're doing wrong and all all the things that Bill McKechnie did not do. And even after the Pirates won the World Series that year, it was said that they did it in spite of Bill McKechnie. And some writers even cited the presence of Fred Clark as the reason that he won. And the next season, the players actually didn't take, you know, they weren't too fond of that assessment. And there were some of the star players on the team that got together and they said, you know what, this Fred Clark guy, he's got to go. We're going to vote him off the island. No, seriously, that's, how, that's what they were doing. They were trying to, trying to you know, come together and say, we want him out. Well, some rumors have it. There was no you know, official thing about this, but some rumors have it that Fred Clark heard about this and was able to intimidate some of the lower-level guys, some of the younger players, and that, was, that vote was shot down with overwhelming numbers, and the report came out. And ironically, with this being the Pittsburgh Pirates, the headline was Mutiny. And who who does a lot of mutinies but pirates? But, you know, that's, you know, neither here nor there. But um, because of that, and, and the funny thing was, while this was happening, the owner of the team was on vacation in Europe. 
And so his son was left in charge of the team. And Fred Clark kind of swayed the owner's son to be like, yo, we need to fix this. We need to get these mutineers out of the team. So they trade these guys. They, Like I said, they were the star players of the Pirates back then. So they get rid of them. They don't even trade them. They cut them. And and they sold another guy and all this other stuff. And so they gut the team because those were the guys that wanted the, for all intents and purposes, cancerous assistant coach out. And Fred Clark won out because he was part of the ownership and he was able to sway the owner's son. And then whenever the owner got back from Europe, he had to go along with his son. So what was next? Well, he had to fire the manager who was going to benefit from the mutiny. That's right. One, not, e- not even a full season after winning the World Series with the Pirates, Bill McKechnie was fired. And sports writers even backed Fred Clark. They called him the victim of you know, this crazy mutiny scheme and all this other stuff. And they said that Bill McKechnie was soft and he'd lost the locker room and all this other stuff. And so it was looking kind of bad for him. Well... St. Louis picks him up as a assistant manager, and then after a year, he becomes the full manager, and he leads that team to the World Series. Now, the thing with this one is he doesn't win the World Series with the Cardinals, and that owner was just absolutely out there. Man by the name of Sam Breeden. And here's a quick synopsis of the Cardinals' situation. In 1926, they won the World Series. So 1927 comes along. Well, the owner doesn't like the guy who was the manager of the Cardinals in that World Series championship year, who was none other than Rogers Hornsby. And when you look back through history, he's one of the most famous St. Louis Cardinals there is. Well, he was unceremoniously fired. After he won the World Series because the owner didn't get along with him. The owner didn't like him. That's what happens when you got a crazy owner. He fires a guy who wins the World Series. So that year, Bob O'Farrell is handed the manager's job, and he didn't even really want it. And they give Bill McKechnie to him as an assistant, and he leaned on McKechnie quite a bit. And what happens in 1927? Well, they win 92 games, but they finish in second. So they don't even make the playoffs, which is something because the owner didn't like that either. And he hands McKechnie the manager's job. And McKechnie takes a team who was very talented, and he wins the NL pennant, takes them to the World Series, and they lose the World Series. So what's that crazy owner do? He demotes. McKechnie. He says, you're going to go coach AAA. We're bringing the AAA coach up to coach the majors. Just absolutely phenomenal. Now, the AAA coach had just won the pennant that year um, for the AAA team, but then he, you know, he comes up and, you know, I, I keep saying AAA. I don't think it was AAA back then, but for all intents and purposes, that's kind of where I'm you know, my mind is going with this. But the AAA guy, he wins the pennant, guy by the name of Billy Southworth. And that year that he won the pennant was his only year of managerial experience. So they bring up a guy who's managed for one year, and it was in the minors. What happens? They quickly fall 13 and a half games behind the first place Pittsburgh Pirates. So the crazy owner, once again, has a crazy notion 
and flips Southworth and McKechnie again. He brings McKechnie back up to the majors. And now the reason that McKechnie hung on, he, he wanted to keep his paycheck, obviously. So he swallowed his pride and went through all this craziness. But before that season was even over, you know, he's back up. He's managing the big league club. He was so fed up with all of that stuff that he looked at the situation and he said, here's what I'm going to do in my hometown. I'm going to run for tax collector. And if I win that election, I'm giving up baseball, which was nuts because so he's running in this election, but really his wife has to run the election for him as he coaches baseball. What happens? He doesn't make the election because he stays in baseball. Then he has to go through a number of years with the Boston Braves as the Boston Braves are beginning to fold financially. And he keeps them competitive. He never really takes them to a pennant or anything like that. But he keeps a team that has no money and hardly any attendance competitive. And he was able to jump from the Braves to the Reds. And the rest is history. But he was just a phenomenal dude. And and one more story about him. I know that I've spoken the entire time about Bill McKechnie, but he was just a phenomenal dude to read up on. And I encourage you to check out more about the second greatest manager in the history of the Reds, possibly one of the greatest managers in the history of baseball, but still the second greatest manager in the history of the Reds. But one last story about McKechnie, and we'll be out of here. After he had retired, he retired to Florida, Bradenton, Florida. He was in his house during a summer afternoon, and two men broke in. You know, they had bags over their heads. One had a gun, one had a knife. Or, it was, sorry, not a knife, it was a tire iron. And they said, give us, give us your money. And he tried to talk them down. He tried to talk them out of it. And when he saw that that wasn't working, what does McKechnie do? He grabs a floor lamp and starts swinging it at them like it's a baseball bat. And he kind of throws them off. They're like, what the heck? This 75-year-old dude is trying to attack us? It's two-on-one. And then he runs back into his room, tries to get his shotgun. And before he can get his shotgun, they've already ran out the door. So 75-year-old Deacon Bill McKechnie runs off two thieves, two home invaders, not one, but two guys. And one of them had a gun. Just absolutely great story. I thought I thought that was a good one and I had to slide it in here at the end. But I hope you've enjoyed listening about Deacon Bill McKechnie. I love Throwback Thursday. I hope you do too. I appreciate you downloading and listening to today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure you subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, check us out on social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And look us up online at LockedOnReds.com. Tomorrow, we've got a treat for you. I got Doug Gray coming back to talk some baseball with us. We're going to look at some prospects here for spring training. And we're going to talk about some other good stuff, too. So make sure you tune in tomorrow for the Phone It In Friday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. I'll see you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.